They say banks are boring, credit unions are dull. We don't agree, we love them all. Except for the big banks and neos who take a market share, make consumers blue. Need a fresh perspective, new direction. Take back banking and make some connections. If you feel stuck, it's not your fault. Here's an idea, try thinking outside the vault. If I asked you to guess when the last old-fashioned telegram was sent, what would you say? Maybe in the 1960s or 70s. Wrong. In America, Western Union shut down its telegraph service in 2006, a year before the iPhone was launched. And I would argue that text messaging on a smartphone isn't all that different from the humble telegram, at least when you're talking about what consumers want. Hi. I'm Zach Garver, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast for community financial institutions who know how to treat their account holders like human beings, and that good communication requires meeting the other person where they are right now. Now, back to telegrams and text messages. The Telegraph Network lets you send important messages to somebody fast and receive a quick response, or quick compared to having a letter carried by train or horseback. People even developed a shorthand to reduce letter count and cost when sending a message. Ring any bells? Not unlike the oh-so-modern text message. Brief messages shared back and forth, often abbreviated. Oh, and expensive to send in the early days. I mean, remember buying a cell phone plan with a fixed number of text messages? Here's why this is so important. The brief, text-based message fills an important niche in how we communicate with each other. I don't always have time or energy for a phone call, but I still have information that I need to share or receive. A text message allows me to do that at my convenience. And thanks to other advances in technology, it's possible for community financial institutions to bring text messaging into the account holder experience. And I'm not talking about your staff using their personal cell phones to send texts. I also don't mean broadcast text messages where consumers sign up for notifications or promotions. I'm talking about one-to-one communication that lets you reach account holders on their terms. In today's episode, I sit down with Scott MacArthur, Chief Revenue Officer at Statflow, one of the top companies that's providing this incredible service to community financial institutions. Scott has a wealth of knowledge about how businesses are using this tech to offer better account holder support and a richer experience overall. So, finish tapping out that newfangled telegraph on your pocket computer, and listen. This is a fascinating discussion. Scott MacArthur, welcome to uh, Thinking Outside the Vault. I'm really excited to have you here, Um, and I doubt that many of our listeners will know who you are, so I think uh, it'd be great to just jump in with... uh, you got to introduce yourself and and what your company uh, is all about. For sure, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. So my name is Scott MacArthur, Chief Revenue Officer of Statflow. Uh, been in the customer experience game in telco and uh, heavily compliant regulated markets for the last 15, 20 years. Uh, and really, what Statflow is all about really focus on helping our customers, whether that's in financial services, in telco, in other in other verticals helping them engage, retain, grow their customer base through one-to-one local conversations via text. And what that really means is 
really enabling your frontline to have robust, local, personalized conversations with your customers in a very compliant manner. Okay, cool. Um, just to kind of start things off, what do you see, like, what is this um, precursor to what Statflow does? Like, how would businesses have carried off this kind of a thing in, in, a, in the previous age of technology, maybe? What did that look like? Yeah, early stages of even Statflow. I, I worked at Canada's one of Canada's largest telco operators, and a program that I've been working on was really just that of pre something like Statflow. How do you enable your frontline to have conversations with with your customers? And back then, it was as simple as pushing a spreadsheet of customers to contact over to the the channels, relying on a hope and a prayer that the reps actually did the outreach. They would check the box <laughs> based on that honor system, say, yeah, I've done all my work. I've contacted all my customers. And what's really interesting over the last you know, 12, 18 months, as we've spoken to a lot of community banks and credit unions, that's really what's happening in the, in the community banking space today, where a lot of customers have said, yeah, we do email, kind of mass email, we do direct mail, but we still have our reps, whether it's a wealth advisor, a branch associate, or somewhere in between, picking up the phone based on a, on a spreadsheet that had been given to them by somebody else in marketing or somewhere else and said, hey, contact these customers without the context, without necessarily potentially the coaching. And they're left to their own devices to pick up the phone and hopefully have a conversation with a customer. Most frontline people oh. are hired to do quote unquote cold calls. <laughs> well, it's like, it's a it's like a lukewarm call right like you sort of know the person there's some level of established relationship with them but you don't necessarily have uh it's not a warm open really like hey i'm so-and-so from this bank or this this credit union you know i'd like to talk to you about your experience i don't know i'm just trying to put myself in the role of like getting one of those calls and how i might react that's, that's an interesting thing yeah, and so flip that on its head of starting that conversation with a one-to-one personalized text message from that branch associate saying, you know, hey, Zach, it's Scott from ABC Bank at the corner of 5th and Main. Just want to check in to see how your new loan is going. It's a, a very simple. It's on a medium that, that, you know, most people use on a very regular basis. Customers want more interaction through two-way text. Uh, there's some stats out there. I think it's two, around 70% of customers expect uh, and would desire that two-way communication with their businesses of choice. And two-thirds actually want more of it. So you think of the value of texting versus calling. Mm-hmm. I rarely answer phone calls from phone numbers <laughs> I don't recognize. And even numbers I do recognize, I, I don't pick up too often. Whereas text... Almost 100% of text messages are read within three minutes. I think it's 95%. So you think of the value of a text message versus other mediums. Customers want more of it. They want it, want more of it. And their chances are they're reading that message nine times out of 10 within three minutes. So it's a fantastic to communicate. Well, and it strikes me too that there's like this layer of... uh, there's this term asynchronous communication, right? Which like that's, there's lots of examples of that honestly emails an asynchronous communication channel. Um, but I think about how like a text message fits into that even a little bit differently from email where it's like, I, I know I've got a text message from somebody that maybe I need to follow up. I need to respond to, but it sits like closer to the top of my brain. I've had, and I've had, yeah. honestly, I've had this conversation with my dad where I'm like, he doesn't like to text. 
he would way <laughs> rather have a phone call. Like he doesn't feel yeah. good if I like text him like happy birthday. That's not as good to him as if I give him a phone call. I think that's probably a generational yeah. thing. So I try to honor him. I try to do phone calls with him, but it's like, I have young <clears throat> kids. My life is crazy. I'm like, I, I have, I work from home. There's just a lot going on. So a text message gives me the opportunity to like, kind of remember that I'm trying to talk to someone or, or carry on a communication and come back to it when it works for me and, and still feel like I've closed the loop on the thing versus a phone call. It's like, Oh, I've got to make sure I can like block out time to go talk to this person on the phone. Yep. Um, and, and those windows are really precious to me. <laughs> Whereas for the texting sure. can happen in between. It's funny, uh, Keith, your CMO an event in San Antonio a few months ago, and he asked the audience a, a really simple question of how many people have unread emails? And almost 100% of the audience put up their hand and said, yes, we have unread emails. He asked the follow-up question, how many people have unread text messages? I think there was one out of the 40 or 50 people in the room that had an unread text message. Just goes back to the power of texting as a solid medium of communication. It's not meant to replace mm -hmm. every other communication channel, but it should help augment and complement what you're already doing, whether it's phone calls or emails or direct mail or other types of, of outreach to customers. Yeah. Well, like culturally, there's a real urgency. I feel an urgency around a text message. Like, oh my gosh, that's something I should probably take care of, you know, at, at some point, even if it's not right this second, like today, I should take care of that thing. For sure. You know? So, um, you know, when, what do you think is kind of shifted? You already talked a little bit about how consumers kind of want this from businesses. Do you think they want it from all the businesses that they interact with? Or is it, is it just sort of certain, I don't know, products or services that they engage with where they expect this level of touch? Yeah. So I'd say it's, it's a combination of yes to both sides. And when I say that okay. it's, you know, when you think of, I, I always use myself as an example. I'm a huge Nike guy. I love Nike. It's, it's, I'm a bit of a sneakerhead when it comes to Nike shoes. I'd be happy to get as many messages as possible from Nike just because I, I have such a <laughs> brand loyalty to them uh, and love to see all their new stuff that's coming out. So there's brands that as a, as a consumer, you just have that affinity to that you, you want to know all the latest and greatest stuff that's happening. And then you have those companies or, or businesses that you work with they're highly personal. Your cell phone is highly personal. Your internet is highly personal because you need that in this day and age of working from home. Your mm -hmm. money is very personal. So to have an ongoing dialogue with your with your bank to me is is very important. And that's where customers are, you know, they want that those brand loyal companies to be reaching out to them. But it's also then who are those companies that are in their inner circle of of value for them whether it's money or connectivity or other pieces and that's where i think banking community banking retail banking in general plays a big role in having ongoing dialogue with customers well, i think that's a great the point you're making about the the sorts of things that they do that feel deeply <clears throat> personal uh and that that's and that kind of i think that's an interesting segue into like the idea of relevancy right and we talked a little bit about this bef beforehand that like Seth Godin has this has this quote about I mean, yeah I'm going to get it wrong but but paraphrasing like you know people don't I think it was about puppies or something like if you send people like people never get enough can never get enough of something that they want right like you're not oversending and and so that's really the goal when you're communicating is relevancy like you can always flood somebody with boring messages 
Yeah. But it's actually very hard to flood somebody with content that they're genuinely interested in or that's relevant to them, either because of, you know, whether that's topical or it's of the moment, right? There's an urgency to it. Um, and so that's like, I think that's a line that a lot of marketers have to figure out how to walk to is like, it's easy as the marketer to feel like, well, everything I'm saying is urgent and relevant, right? Yeah. But maybe that's not necessarily true. How do you, how would you recommend? So if we're talking about, uh, you know, community financial institutions and how they might integrate text message, one-to-one text message into their communication ecosystem. How would you recommend people think about that idea of relevancy? How should they keep their messages relevant? How I look at it from a one-to-one text dialogues side of things is really a couple of pieces is where one-to-one texting really wins is in that engage timeframe retain time frame and growth time frame and it's it's oversimplifying things but during onboarding it is very important to have that personal one-to-one interaction it can be it can complement uh, a mass email that goes out as soon as you sign up for your loan and here's all the details and that could be a follow-up text message saying hey zach just checking to see if you got my email on how to get the most out of your loan I'm using that as an example um mm-hmm. so agent and onboarding is really important i was at a event a few weeks ago where JD Power spoke and I'm going to butcher their stats, but hopefully there's some relevance to it. It's, it's all right. Um, what they found is to drive the highest customer experience or CSAT score, you need to be touching or contacting a customer six to eight times within the first few months. Very few customer or very few of our customers are doing that today. But if you think of that loan is a great example of, you know, a week after you've con- a week after somebody's started with the community bank for their loan, be great right reach saying, hey, just check in to see how things are going. Any questions? Very informal. Right. And then every couple of weeks, how can you have that personalized, authentic one-to-one touch point to just to make sure the customer is in a good spot? It's going to reduce customer friction long term if if you've removed any of the barriers in that first couple months. And chances are you have a customer for a much longer term than you would if you just said, hey, have at it, here's your loan, have fun, and on to the next one and treat it truly as a transactional piece. So I think, you know, as, as a community bank, back to your original question, one-to-one texting really plays in well during onboarding, you know, customer check-ins. And because you have an existing business relationship with that customer, it also serves well if there's very relevant offers or relevant programs that would fit for that customer based on their buying patterns or any other data science out there, then have that one-to-one dialogue. And it could be as simple as, Hey, Zach, you know, thanks for your, thanks for your business on the loan side. Notice you don't have a checking account with us. Any questions? It could be as simple as that just to kind of drive that dialogue to opening up other products and services that are available at the, at the bank. Yeah, well, and and bringing up personalization, I think that's, I mean, it's been a a, a hot topic or an important topic in marketing for a while, right? We were on sort of this spectrum of like, how personalized can you get? And I certainly see in in our industry, community banking and community credit unions, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about how to personalize the banking experience. And I think when I read articles and that sort of thing, it strikes me that that we're getting a little, that that it can get a little off base when it's just, how do we integrate details about the person into 
the interface or into the email or whatever, you know, it's not just about having somebody's name on an email or, or it's, it's about that, but it's just trying to push that thing as far as you can go. So it's like, look how much we know about you. And I think what's interesting about this, this text messaging idea of like one-to-one is that there's a component of listening that doesn't really seem present to me and others. Like I would never fire back to a mass email, even if it had my name on it. My, if my, credit union <laughs> emailed me, they put my name, hey, Zach, you know, here's our loan offer. I would never fire back to that and be like, ask a question or say, hey, you know what, I just need support. Like in my brain, I know that email, if I just tried to reply to that email, it would go nowhere. But if I replied to a text message, I have this expectation that there's going <clears> to <throat> be listening that happens. Someone's going to, you know, read through that and respond, you know, in real time. It, yeah. And there's, there's a wealth of data. So we see on average, anywhere from 15 to 20% response rates to, to those messages that are being sent out via text. And that data is powerful in terms of identifying yeah. customer dissatisfaction, identifying life events. There's a lot of times you'll see a lot of life event responses. If I'm making this up on the fly of a loan and sure. saying, hey, yeah, this is great, but I'm actually moving in three weeks. Can we chat then? To me, as a as a business, like holy cow, that's a great opportunity to chat with them about maybe it's maybe they're moving, maybe it's a mortgage, so they have a car loan with you. How can you engage them for that mortgage? Or they're moving and they may need something else, insurance or who knows. So how can you identify different true customer engagement opportunities based on what a customer is responding to? Whether it's life events, whether it's they're unsure, they have questions about certain things. Um, we ran a program to drive e-statement adoption with with one of your one of your FIs, and the impact of that was quite substantial. And it's really just an awareness piece of make sure customers were aware that they knew the benefits of signing up for e-statements, what they got through Casas Rewards for doing so, etc. So it just it's it can be very informational, and it allows customers to ask a question of Oh shoot, I didn't know that. How can I get more out of this? Yeah, I think that's great. I think there's a, I think there's a line to walk around uh, frequency, right? Like, and and I heard this analogy years ago, but somebody was saying, and they were likening it to email communication, and they were saying it's a bit like uh, asking somebody out on a date, right? Like you ask somebody out on a date, <laughs> yeah. and they say no, and you're like, okay, well, all right, fine. Um, and there's sort of two roads that you can go from there. One is you can just like, well, they said no, I'm just never gonna. Uh, that's it. You know, I've been yep. rejected. I'm not going to engage with that person again. But if you have persistence and it's like, well, a couple months later, maybe you ask them again, maybe, you know, maybe they're not seeing anybody now or whatever. And it's like, there's, there's a, there is actually a benefit to continuing to ask and engage, even if it feels like it's the same question you've asked or whatever. Like, do you, hey, do you need support? Is there anything I can do to support you? Yeah, you asked him last month, but then it's this month. Things are different. You know, maybe they've changed jobs. Maybe I mean, like I'm just in the middle of trying to figure out how I'm going to set up automatic rent payments because we got a new property management company. And it's like, that's, you know, that you wouldn't see that on yeah. my bank statement. You wouldn't have any idea that that's going on in my life. I love what you said about, you know, life events. But I, that analogy of like asking for the date over and over again was like, yeah, actually, that totally makes sense. Like sometimes you really have to do that because you don't know what else is going on in that person's life. Yeah, it's it's again going back to by having uh, an authentic conversation with your customer, you're going to learn more about them. 
And it's something I've lived by. It's kind of curiosity with a purpose of getting to authentically know your customer a bit more through potentially one-to-one dialogue in with text. You then know how to better support them long-term. Yeah. What would you say are some of the things that you're experiencing with now that you're working with community financial institutions, um, questions that they have or concerns that they have about integrating this into their operation? Um, yeah. So one is, you know, what type of, what type of campaigns or contact touch points would you, would you leverage something like texting to, to do with our customers? So that's, that's number one. And we always like to take a crawl, walk around approach of let's start with some basics on, you know, some simple on like one or two simple onboarding campaigns, a customer engagement piece. One could be as simple as a financial literacy outreach. If there's any information on getting the most out of your loan or something about the markets being all over the map right now, like there could be something from just baseline financial literacy and, and educational purposes versus trying to sell. It's all around mm-hmm. engaging, retaining those customers. So having some form of retention campaign and then something easier on the upsell cross sell side of things. So how can you start baseline with a few campaigns, get the frontline engaged in doing this, and then you can get more complex and creative on the types of, of campaigns or types of outreach that can happen. One that's popped up quite a bit is, is on collections, not something that's the prettiest, but you know, how oh, can you still engage? relevant? I mean, it's part of the business. Yeah. How can you engage customers that are delinquent in payments for collections through text versus phone calls again, that people aren't going to answer anyway. So just engage yeah. and make sure that information gets out there. So it's really around, Hey, wh- how should I leverage this? Uh, another question is around, you know, I'm already doing mass text or I'm already doing email. I'm already doing other forms of communication. For us, that's awesome. Most of our customers have multiple channels of communication. Let us help you figure out where one-to-one texting fits and complements your existing contact strategy versus, you know, stat flow or what texting is the be-all end-all for your your customer communication. So I think that's that's the other piece. And the last one that that pops up is, hey, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this. I'm not sure if it's compliant because um, there's a lot of fear around all the three and four letter acronyms out there. So I'd say, <laughs> of course, um, you know, there's a few things that we always talk to our, our prospects about. And when I'm speaking at events or on a podcast like this, it's, it's really regardless of what texting platform you go with, A, make sure they're A to P compliant. So A to P is a, is a, a three letter acronym that it's A to P is application to peer. And it's all around, you know, some rules and regulations around make sure that whoever you decide to use for a texting platform is, is up to speed on all A to P regulations. Um, okay. Because if you're not, a lot of the, the carriers, regardless of if your message is on point, you've gotten express opt-in from customers. If it's a, again, I'll get down that path in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, we blocked by the carrier. So the carriers see them as spam because you're not, the texting platform you're using is not registered under A to P. A lot of those messages could get blocked by Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T, regardless of what message you're sending. So first off is who you're working with is A2P compliant. So that's broad strokes. And then in Mm -hmm. terms of meeting the three and four letter acronyms out there, i.e. TCPA, which is a scary word, (laughs) make sure sure whoever you're working with 
understands and is able to educate you on on what that means. And so when we look at one-to-one text, and that's why we solely focus on one-to-one text messaging, it meets all the rules and regulations of TCPA. You know, if there's human intervention, kind of broad strokes, human intervention, Mm -hmm. you don't fall under TCPA. So that's step one. And step two, there's some other acronyms out there around uh, telemarketing. Again, you do not need express written opt-in if you're not if you don't fall under TCPA and you have an existing business relationship. So you're able to contact these customers through a one-to-one mechanism um, with an express written opt-in. You just need to be able to ensure that a customer is able to opt out of future messages and or you've scrubbed against customers that have already opted out to to messages. Okay. Well, so, and I had, I've been talking with somebody internally, Thomas uh, Shields, actually, who was on the yep. uh, episode just prior to this. Um, and who had made the point that it was, it's a lot like just having somebody's phone number and calling them, right? Like the, the bank has an expectation that if they have, I mean, they're going to get the person's phone number yep. when they open the account. That's a, a core detail you need about them. And of course you would reach out to them directly if you thought you had, you know, there was a concern, right? A problem you needed to get clarity on or something like that. Like you would expect that communication. And with something like Statflow, it fits in that same category, right? And that's, I was, one of the things I was going to ask you to, I mean, this may be a little bit redundant, but I think it's important. Like if someone listening has familiarity with mass text messaging or broadcast text messaging, right, where you have a short code that you have people opting into or whatever, can help help our listeners differentiate between why this is not that thing. Yeah, so it's it's not that thing because it's it <laughs> has it has human intervention. It's a one-to-one interaction with a customer, is not a blast message sent out to thousands of people or tens of people or hundreds of people at the same time. It is literally a rep going into Statflow, seeing who they need to contact and why. They're provided a compliant chat starter based on the campaign or the, the contact intent that's that's on that customer's profile. They're able to send that message one at a time and then carry on a two-way conversation. So that's that's why it's it's much different you'll notice in a lot of blast messaging is very promo heavy. Mm-hmm. Staplo does not have promo heavy messaging. Really. It will talk about things, but it's very conversational and more considered check-ins versus, you know, being super, super promo heavy. Okay, great. I think that's, that's good. I, and this actually brings up another question I have, which I think is very relevant in an age where there's a lot of scammers, right? I, I'm, I feel like on a weekly basis, I'm getting two to three text messages from somebody. I don't know. I don't recognize the number. Um, And they're like, hey, so-and-so. And And it's like, sometimes it's a wrong number. But the consistency with which it has started to happen makes me think that it's becoming part of like a a targeting strategy from scammers. And it's like, I don't recognize your number. You're not in my contact list. Um, Is this the sort of thing where it's like, let's say we just play out a scenario. I sign up with an institution. They start using Statflow to text me. It comes from a number. Can I like store that number in my phone and know that every message from the institution is going to fall under that same identity, you know, so that I can be sure that I'm, because that's the thing. I'd be afraid, like number I don't recognize somebody asking me about banking. I'm not answering that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a couple pieces going back to A2P. You're going to start seeing more and more of those spammy messages of, hey, you've just won a million dollars or the IRS is coming after you, whatever it is. <laughs> Though more and more of those messages will be blocked as a result of A2P. So the carriers are doing a great job at blocking non-A2P compliant spammers from sending okay. those messages. So you, you should see a dramatic drop in that if you haven't already um, over the last six months, six to seven months. So that's point one, point two. The messages come from a local 10-digit number. That number is associated to the usually at the branch level. It can be at the FI level, but usually right down to the branch level. So that number will not change. Um, okay. And if the customer decides to call that number, it will get redirected to the branch. So it's it's sending you directly to the branch um, if you decide to call that number. So you can have that two-way dialogue even through phone calls. That's cool. So it's like it really, like because of the technology backend, you're able to really genuinely treat it as a primary point of contact. Absolutely. Yep. Got a, a quick anecdote. Actually, we somebody brought it up in a, in a meeting this morning. Um, we recently had a client event. Uh, you know, in Austin, yep. where we're bringing, you know, people who are just trying to learn more about Casasa. You could, well, it's, so it's not strictly a client event. So there's prospects, there's clients, just institutions coming, trying to yep. learn more about what Casasa does. And we had set up with Statflow to be able to send messages to those event attendees in real time. So we had somebody managing one-to-one conversations ahead yep. of the event. And then during a presentation, we hit them with messages that, you know, were like personalized and relevant to the session. So they got to experience it in real time. Like we're talking about, Hey, here's, here's this new tool that you could be using to really upgrade your communication plan. And we're showing it to them in real time. And so they get that experience. And it sounds like, I mean, I wasn't there personally. It was, but it sounds like the response to that was, was pretty incredible, which, which totally makes sense. Like here we are on this podcast describing what it is. And hoping that that it clicks, but when people experience it, that's it's such a different thing. Uh, absolutely, it's once you see it, you you realize that it's something you probably should need or want, and and chance are you're already using, you're already experiencing some of this in your day to day life. Yeah, is there a is there a learning curve for? you know, retail experience representatives, people working on the front lines, tellers, is there much of a technology learning curve for them to be able to integrate it into their workflow? No, again, going back to what it is, it's, it's, it's one-to-one tech. So as long as you know how to log in. Is the rep using their phone? No, sorry. No, it's, it's a platform. It's web-based technology. So as long as they're, they know how to log into, you know, staff flow, usually we work with our customers on leveraging whatever their single sign-on is. So it's not having to know an, an, another username and password. As long as they know how to log in, um, know how to send messages and follow the workflow, it's it's very easy. And we see very high engagement rate within the first 30 days of getting through almost 100% of any campaigns that are, are loaded for, for the users and very high customer response rate. So Frontline gets super engaged because they started to see these responses coming back from customers near real time, you know, that 15, 20% of the time. So they're seeing customer engagement quite quickly. And that's what gets them more engaged with, with Stafflow. Okay. That's cool. That's really exciting. All right. Well, so this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I, I personally just enjoy kind of talking about these things <clears throat> sort of on the edges or whatever, like where we're expanding a new, a new arena. Um, 
it's really cool what, what you guys have done, you know, for our clients and, and partnering with you. What's something that a listener right now, you know, working at a community financial institution, wearing a lot of hats, maybe they feel like this sounds like a great thing, but they're so overwhelmed with stuff, but just breaking it down, what's something that they could do this week uh, based on what we've talked about today that maybe move them a little bit closer to it or what, you know, something actionable? Uh, yeah, I think it's <laughs> what's very actionable is is reaching out to either CASAS or staff load and learn a bit more, take a half an hour, better understand how this can impact their business. Even if they go with another provider or another company, at least understand the value of texting for their, for their customers or their, their members. Um, and really understand the impact of this and how it can actually drive efficiencies. If they have a lot of hat, they're wearing a lot of hats. How can this actually drive efficiencies for their frontline how is it going to drive a, a much stronger customer experience and CSAT score? So really, I think one thing they do this week or the next couple of weeks, just learning more. We can help you. We can educate. Our pro sales process is not hard pitch. It's more on educating the value of, of why one-to-one texting should be part of your, uh, your contact strategy. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. And then I've got one more question for you to wrap up. Sure. Um, which I would say just like, and it's not, it's less of a question and I just call it like, you know, carte blanche. Like what's something that you feel like maybe we didn't, if we didn't cover it already, something that you feel like the audience should know and that you are, you know, kind of wanting to get out there. Yeah. I think there's really three things to leave the listeners with. One is customers want this type of inter- interaction with their business choice, especially with, with financial institutions. They have a personal, uh, relationship with the banks and they want to have that one-to-one dialogue through text um, as their medium of choice. Um, number two, if you're exploring text messaging at all, make sure you're working with with a vendor or a partner that really knows the space and knows all the compliance rules. Let them help educate you so that you know you're making the right decision. If they're not up to speed on any of the compliance regulations and or ATP as we spoke about before, chances are they're probably not a great vendor to go with I'm not saying mm-hmm. staff always the be all end all but just make sure they know their stuff so that you're well protected and really going back to that personalized approach of engage retain grow your customer base start to think about how one-to-one text can really help drive those three forms of customer engagement of, of onboarding or engagement retention of those customers and and growing your customer base awesome oh, i think that's great well, Scott MacArthur, Chief Revenue Officer at Statflow, uh, you know, on behalf of everyone here at Casasa, we're excited about the partnership with you. I really appreciate your time this morning. It was a pleasure talking with you and, uh, you know, looking forward to what happens next. Awesome. This is, this is a blast and really appreciate uh, taking the time to do this. So even though I suggested that the text message is just a newfangled telegram, The difference in how you use the technology is dramatic. And if you're willing to embrace this kind of innovation, there's huge potential for your institution. When you meet consumers on their terms, they feel seen and heard. They feel like you care about their needs. A one-to-one text messaging can help your staff engage with consumers and create powerful connections. Especially in a world where consumers expect to do more of their banking away from the branch, Text messaging gives you a convenient, compliant channel to reach them. Imagine the possibilities. 
Thanks again for listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast produced and distributed by Kasasa. Our theme song was written by Victoria Kirk. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, and leaving a review. This helps other listeners to discover us. You can also send your comments and feedback to social at kasasa.com.